I'm Angela Ross, and this is SoCal Voices. I am with the fabulous Carrie Madrid. She is co-founder and president of The Care Project, which provides financial assistance and emotional support to breast cancer patients in Southern California, primarily in Riverside and San Bernardino counties. Carrie, it is great to have you on the podcast, and thank you so much for inviting us to your space. This is great. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and thanks for coming. I love to show off this space whenever I can. It's wonderful. Thank you. You You know, it's often the case that great things like what you're doing start with a deeply personal story, a deeply personal experience. And I want you to talk about how what you went through led to the CARE Project. Yeah, well, I'll keep it as brief as possible. But in a nutshell, what happened is, you know, at the age of 40, I was in what I call the best shape of my life. And I was kind of questioning my creator, like, what am I supposed to do with the next half of my life? The last half, if you will. And I was walking around Mount Rubido one day and uh, having that conversation. And about two weeks later, I rolled over in bed and found two tumors. And I was like, yeah, that's not what I had in mind, but okay. So fast forward into a very advanced diagnosis of stage three, uh, lymph nodes involved, I had two teenage daughters and then a young son off in the Air Force. And I'm fortunate that I have a decent job with fantastic insurance. But as I was in treatment, I got to networking with a lot of patients, either on site in the infusion room or online support groups through Facebook and whatnot. And I realized there was people choosing between a $100 copay for treatment, you know, for a chemo session or groceries for their kids. And I thought, oh, my gosh, nobody should ever have to choose that. Now, I lived check to check, but I had a father who stepped in and was like, don't worry about copays, I got you. I never had to worry. I had available credit if I needed to use it. I had family and, and friends that were able to help. But I just thought, oh, my gosh, you know, what do these people do that don't have that? So I did a little quick search in the Inland Empire of, of SoCal to see what organizations were out there. And there are some fantastic breast cancer organizations that can offer you free wigs, mastectomy bras, support groups, education, caregiver support. But at that time, nobody was paying bills. There's still nobody paying bills um, other than Beloved Foundation, which is just for stage four patients, which is, again, fantastic. But I could have used somebody to step in and say, your electric bill is crazy this month. It's summer. You're in chemo for three months. We got your bill. And so I just, you know, talked to my best friend, Christina, and said, we got to do something. And she, too, was a single mom. She was like, what in the heck are we going to do? I said, look, if we can find a way to pay our bills, we can help other people. And that's how the Care Project started. That's fantastic. You know, I can only imagine sitting there dealing with this really tough diagnosis, and then you're worried about you know, can I make the water bill? Can I make my rent? Can I, you know, buy food for the kids? That's that's a really tough situation. When you reflect on all of the people that you have been helping through your work here, what really stands out for you as the the most important thing that you've done? And I'm sure there's a lot. Maybe there's a couple special circumstances that really stand out to you. What are those? Wow. There's been so many people to come through our doors. And I think initially when we started the CARE Project, we really were focused on the financial assistance because that was a gap in our community. But then we realized that even 
I won't say more important, but as important was the emotional support. And it was to take that a step further, the survivorship portion. I realized because I was diagnosed in 2012. I started this in 2013. I had no business starting anything then. I was fresh out of radiation. I still hadn't really processed the trauma and the all the things that I had just endured. The totality of what I had just experienced was kind of shoved it down because I buried myself in this work, right? But what I realized is a couple years in where I thought, oh, I'm going to help all these people. I realized that emotionally I had all this stuff I needed to unpack and deal with. And so while I thought I was going to be helping so many others, they really helped me. And I realized that mental health is another huge component of a cancer survivor. Because survivorship, everybody thinks, okay, you ring the bell, you're done with active treatment, and you should be ready to go and back to normal and get on with your new normal. And it's just then when the healing begins, mentally and emotionally. So then I realized we needed a wellness program. And then we added that in and our Survivor Social Club. I would say helping people with, we have one big grant per year called the Shannon K. Brown Grant. Shannon is on that little makeshift altar behind you there. And she was 34 when she was diagnosed. She was 36 when she passed away. She left behind a husband and a 15-year-old daughter. And she was instrumental in helping me start the Survivor Social Club. But from her passing, she had an incredible legacy of emotional support through social media. She had thousands and thousands and thousands of followers that really just looked to her for guidance and perspective. And we were able to start a grant in her name. So once a year, we're able to give out anywhere from $1,500 to $3,000 to one patient in desperate financial need. And we've kept people from going homeless. We've helped a homeless patient get housed. We've helped with what other people take for granted, like somebody was rolling on what I call Maypop tires, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And she's like, I just need like a couple used tires. I was like, I got you. You know, just so she could get back and forth to treatment. So it's all those little things. And there's people that have come back to me now and said, I want to give back. And I know I can only afford $10 a month, but I want to do that. Because when I was homeless, you helped me and my autistic son and my disabled husband get into a motel. You fed us for three nights. And I didn't even remember I had done it. Mm, that is beautiful. Right? That is. And so it's just this collection. Mm -hmm. I have the chill saying that. Mm -hmm. It's just this collection. I, it's kind of hard for me to pinpoint. Mm -hmm. We also have a prom project that we've done pre-COVID yeah. mm -hmm. when kids were still able to have prom. Yeah. And we had a stage four patient, Heather who by the grace of God is still here. She has one son and she wrote me and said, you know, I can use my disability check and take care of my son's prom expenses, but his girlfriend lost her mom last year to complications of, I think it was a complications of a stroke. So if I take my disability check and take care of Jake, could you all sponsor her? And I thought, this is someone who could use the help herself. These are the people we serve. And so I went and I spoke to one of our local Rotary Clubs and I told them the story. And by the time I left there, a wonderful judge in our area said, I will take care of that female. And another gentleman said, I got him. And it's just community. 
So that was that was a big thing. That's great. Yeah. You know, so in addition to the people who have been helped coming back, you've obviously you've got some partners in the region. Can you share with us who some of those entities are? Well, you know, I have a couple of large collaborations on a national level, Okay, um, like Thrive Cosmetics mm-hmm. um, gives back. They're an all-vegan line of cosmetics. So what I try to do here is introduce survivors to healthier options, whether it's food and nutrition, if it's beauty products. And they reached out to me because I always use the hashtag laughter and lip gloss on Instagram. That's my silly <laughs> motto for getting through. When I was bald and felt like death warmed over, I always had my lip gloss on. And hey, that's my motto, right? I love it. So they found me that way. And they were like, hey, we'd love to reach out. And can we partner? I was like, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they sent me cosmetics to give out to cancer patients. Lymphedivas does compression sleeves for those of us who are managing lymphedema for the rest of our lives because we had all our lymph nodes removed or some removed. So we have an awesome collaboration where we're, al- we're able to give those sleeves away free. We ship those worldwide, actually. I have a male patient in Australia who's in a wheelchair, so he goes through sleeves more quickly than others. And so we can send him sleeves. And then locally, I would say there's some smaller companies that are mostly like family friends and my own family has been major sponsors of the care project and they will step in every year when we have our monthly or um, annual fundraiser when we're able to have it and purchase tables and and that way so it's a thousand dollars here it's you know and then we just get random donations so the random donations then have been really more critical for you i would imagine in the last couple of years with covid yeah, we were actually able to get some grants in the last couple of years. Um, State of Brothers Charities and the Believe Walk came through for us for the first time this year. We re- just received 15000 from them. So thankful. That basically pays our rent. And we're like, thank you. And then you, we've gotten some other grants. A Walmart, a couple Walmart stores, 500 here, 500 there. So without throwing our main event for two years, I was very worried, very worried. I didn't want to have to get an SBA loan to keep a charity open. But you know, I don't take a salary. We only have one part time person. And that's DJ, who is here four hours a day, and then she volunteers more. So it's it's been difficult, but we have our care club. And so the care club members are what has sustained us for the last seven years. And those are people that sign up to donate as little as $10 a month. We've had somebody for a time donating $1,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And that's what got us through. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Everybody doesn't realize that, you know, I always say it sounds cliche, but it's the God's honest truth. Every $10 makes a difference. I can't tell you how many patients have called us and said, I have to go to radiation, which is Monday through Friday, several weeks usually. And you usually, I know just even as a Kaiser patient, you have to go to Ontario. Whether you live in Hemet, whether you live in Temecula, there's like one area. So they're like, I just need $10 for gas. So every $10 makes a difference. You know, that's, that's huge because a lot of people, I think, sometimes feel intimidated about, oh, there's no way that I can help uh, an organization doing what they're doing. These people must need thousands of dollars all the time. And yeah, they do need thousands of dollars all the time. But if you've got five bucks or 10 bucks, that can make the difference between someone getting to their appointment or not getting to their appointment. Absolutely. So that's, that's really, really uh, good to know and good to hear. So people, you can help wherever you are. You yeah. can help and however much you have. 
What is the thing that you wish more people knew or understood about receiving a diagnosis that is hard? Mm-hmm. This this cancer thing, it's everyone is scared of it. You know, you hear that word and people just start freaking out. What do you wish more people knew about getting a diagnosis like that? And how can they be more helpful to folks who are going through this journey? That's a great question. So for anyone who's diagnosed or is worried about a diagnosis, maybe they're waiting right now for results. If you get that diagnosis, you need to sit with it for a minute before you make any big decisions. You need to know that there are options out there and your team may be a wonderful medical team. You may get along great with your doctor, but they might not be the one to treat your cancer. And I think that it's really important to seek out an organization that specializes in your cancer. So if it's breast cancer, call us, call another breast cancer organization. You know, if it's lymphoma and leukemia, call the Lymphoma and Leukemia Society. You know, I mean, you need to get support from people who've already been there, done that, and people that can help guide you. I think for anyone who loves somebody who's been diagnosed, do not say things like, oh, you'll be fine. Just stay positive. You need to drink kale. Come on, man. Just say, I'm here. I'm here. And that's why we did the book, Handle with Care. This is for any type of cancer diagnosis. Really, this is a book that is 12 survivors giving you their perspectives, varied perspectives, on different aspects from getting that diagnosis to telling your kids to what not to say to how did you cope with losing your hair, right? All those things because everybody responds differently. Some people freak out about their hair. I couldn't care less. I was like, get it off. Let's do this. Less maintenance, right? Yeah, I was like, (laughs) no shaving in my legs. Cool. (laughs) So yeah, I think I think don't try to fix the patient if you're if you love somebody. And I think if you are diagnosed, you need to seek out an organization that has other people who've been there, done that to help guide you. Mm -hmm. Because your family and your friends can love you to death. They can want to be your biggest supporters, but unless they've been there, done that, they just don't get it. Yeah. And then there are those who are so worried about doing or saying the wrong thing that they just withdraw completely. You oh, don't man. hear from them. Talk a little bit about that and, and, and what that does and and how can we encourage people to not do that? Yeah, that's really the one of the biggest complaints and hurts that you will hear survivors on my own podcast talk about. People just ghost you. They just, you know, you're first diagnosed and they rally around you and they're, oh, we're here for you and da 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 da. And then all of a sudden they drop off. What I've realized is it's them facing their own mortality. Well, if she can be diagnosed, I could be diagnosed, right? But I'm sorry, this isn't about you. I'll share one personal story. I have a dear friend. I'm still friends with him to this day. We've known each other since, gosh, seventh grade or something. Yeah, like 40 years of friendship. And love him. He's like a brother. I thought for sure he would come check on me. I knew he worked a lot. You know, he's a longshoreman. He works long, hard hours. But he never came and saw me when I was in chemo. And I was very hurt by that. I'd get an occasional text. Hey, Madrid, you, you good? You good over there? Yeah, I'm good. All right. 
But what that did to me was I felt so abandoned. I felt so betrayed. And when I came through the end of treatment, he said to me, you know, you're good now, right? You're done. I saw your post. You finished chemo and radiation. You're good now, right, Madrid? And I was like, yeah, no, now I have PTSD. I have abandonment issues. And quite frankly, I'm freaking mad at you. You never came to see me and you're supposed to be like a brother. And he felt horrible. And he said, I can only keep it real with you because that's the type of friends we are. He said, I couldn't stand to see you that way. And, and I appreciate his honesty. Here's my reaction to that. You can't stand to see me that way. How do you think I feel when I look in the mirror? Yeah, you're the one who's actually suffering, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. And mm-hmm. so this is a common thing. A lot of people, a lot of people are just left feeling abandoned. And the best thing, we get it. You don't know what to say. I think our knee-jerk reaction as humans is we want to fix it. We want to tell you it's going to be, oh, you'll be okay. The worst thing you can do, which happens all the time, is say, oh, I knew someone who had breast cancer. Yeah, they went through treatment. They lived. They survived it for five years. Oh, but then it came back and it went to this and they died. Thanks. Yeah. And so I (laughs) now tell people all the time, if somebody even starts that sentence, just stop them mid-sentence and say, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's not useful information for me right now. So think about what you are about to say, right? You don't have to say anything. It's actually better to say, geez, Carrie, I don't, I don't know what to say other than I'm here. That's it. Don't try to fix us. Yeah. Sorry it happened. And you know, I'm here for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about your podcast. I was listening to some of the episodes that you have on the website. Just, just great, juicy stuff, man. (laughs) Really, really good. I love the candor. And I want you to talk a little bit more about how that aspect of what you're doing with the care project started and what kind of response you're, you're, you're getting from folks. You know, so on social media, in particular, um, Instagram, I am able to network with a lot of patients all over the world, literally. And they might see me post something about the care project, some activity or whatnot that we're doing with our social club. And they would make comments like, oh, my gosh, are you only in California? I'm like, actually, I'm only in this little tiny section of California. And they'd say, I wish I had a care project out there. And what did you guys talk about? And so... You know, when Chris, my lovely co-host and producer said, who's thinking of a podcast? I was like, oh my gosh, I had just been thinking, how can I get this information out to other people? I know a lot of doctors, a lot of nurses, a lot of patients, a lot of, you know, my radiation therapists. I made friends with all my treating people. And I was like, imagine if I could get their information out there. And so Handle With Care was born. It's called Handle with Care, Cancer and Beyond. We talk to not just breast cancer patients, but all types of cancer patients. We talk to their loved ones, their widows and widowers. We talk to medical professionals, and we're working on a mental health series and men's health. I have three brothers. It's really important to me that men know that, one, they can get breast cancer, and two, that they need to take care of their health, period. Stop being so stubborn, men. Yeah. They can be kind of stubborn when it comes to health care. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of a lot of differences between cultures. Yes. Right. And how they respond and doing the podcast and being able to have a plethora of people from different backgrounds on 
we reach so many people. I at one time I asked Chris to do some analytics. Um, it had been listened to in over forty countries at one point. You know, so it's it's out there. It's fantastic. Yeah, that is really good. You know, listening to you, I and just thinking about all the work that you've done, all the good work that you've done. There's a strength that you have, and and a resilience. That, that just shows it's, it, you're just oozing it sitting here now. And I can imagine that that was helpful to you uh, as you have gone through your journey. In the moments, though, where some of that seems to be fading to you, you know, maybe others around you don't know it, but when you're feeling yeah. particularly vulnerable, what did you do to pull yourself up? I buried myself in work, <laughs> which I don't recommend to anybody. <laughs> okay, scratch that yeah, one off scratch the list. That one, but let don't me keep, do that. But I'm all about keeping it real, right? Mm-hmm. So let me just be honest. I buried myself in creating the care project, growing the care project. I buried myself in helping others, which helped me. But as of, I would say, the last two years, especially with COVID, I had a lot of time alone. And while I was still on the phone checking on my patients who are now my friends, and I've got a lot of metastatic friends. I've attended some funerals. I've lost a lot of people in the last eight years. And every time I do, it brings up my own mortality. I'm very high risk for recurrence. And every time one of them passes away, these are probably my darkest moments. I have survivor guilt because I think, why them and not me? I was stage three. I had all these lymph nodes involved. I've seen several friends who were stage one and stage two go. Why am I still here? And yet that's my emotional mind talking, right? But then my spirit says, you're here for a reason. And my personal belief is we all have an expiration date. We don't have any control over that. The only thing I believe, the only thing we have control over is how we choose to live between now and then. So I am wired in a way that I just need to live on purpose. And I have endured a lot of trauma and other stuff in my life leading up to breast cancer. So I feel like all those experiences led me up to really be able to take like breast cancer. Oh, okay, it's just one more thing. Here we go. But I, I say it's it's ironic I'm given this title survivor now because truly I was just surviving life before. And I say it all the time, cancer saved my life. And I am literally living a life on purpose. I wouldn't I wouldn't erase my diagnosis if I could. Because I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And when my time is up, my time is up. That is very wise. That is wise. And that is a food for thought. Really, really good stuff to think about. Thank you for that. Where can folks find you online and social media? So thecareprojectinc.org is our website. You can get our book there. You can listen to the podcast there. You can get a hold of me that way. Personally, I'm on social media on Instagram under TCP Founder and The Care Project Inc. We also have a podcast, you know, and now I'm on TikTok under The Care Project. So TikTok is amazing. It is. Oh my gosh, I'm connecting (laughs) with so many professionals, as well as so many young, young, young cancer patients, all types of cancer. They're really documenting their experiences there, and it's a great way to network with others. And the support, incredible. Yeah. Now, uh, before I let you go, thinking ahead, 2022 is coming. We still don't really know what's going to be happening with 
COVID and, and stuff, but what are some of your uh, want to do's in 2022 if you're able to gather the way that you typically would like to? Well, I hope we can have our annual event again. We actually did one in August on a much smaller scale indoor outdoor event. It's sort of an emotional event, but a good emotional event. And it's our biggest moneymaker for the CARE Project. And it really boosts the local survivors in our area, introduces the community to what the CARE Project is. I want to continue to hopefully plan for that. And then also I'm celebrating my 10th anniversary, February. Thank you. February 13th will be 10 years. And that's a huge milestone for my diagnosis. Yeah. Carrie Madrid, living on purpose and with purpose. Thank you for being here today. I really, really enjoyed talking to you and wish you all the best with the great work you're doing. The people who meet you are some of the luckiest people in the world. And uh, you are doing your thing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. This is great. I'm Angela Ross. Thanks for listening to SoCal Voices. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to contact us at SoCalVoices.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SoCal Voices.